0: Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabrisky.
1: Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we teach you how to invest with benefits. My name is Christian Allen. Here I am with Rodney, the pod, Zabriskie, so as usual. Rod, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to be alive. It's good to be alive, indeed. <laughs> the weather's terrible. We have to give everyone a weather update. At least in my <laughs> neck of the woods, the weather is terrible. When I say that, it's just like rainy and gray outside. But, but the sun is shining inside the podcast studio. So I really love good it. Tape. Okay, Rod, today we're going to be talking about one of the things that we believe in, like the very most. One Mm -hmm. of the things that we believe in as an organization, Money Insights, and as individuals is investing in alternative assets. Yes. So what we're going to talk about today is basically all things alternative asset investing. We're going to talk about what it is, um, what it isn't. We're going to talk about why it's useful. And maybe most importantly, we're going to focus on why we believe it's a more impactful, more powerful path to creating generational wealth. And I use the word generational wealth because most of the people who are listening to us are already highly successful, high income earners. They're wanting to take things to the next level. And we genuinely believe, um, and we have a whole lot of proof in our corner suggesting that one of the core elements of doing that is to invest in the alternative asset space. So Rod, to kick us off, why don't you give us an idea, maybe at least define what alternative asset investing means and kind of what it doesn't mean. That way yeah. there's, a, there's a contextual starting point for everyone.
2: Yeah. Okay. So let's start with the word alternative. What alternative to what? Right. So uh, what we... To the normal, the traditional. Traditional. Right? Yes. Yep. So traditional, let's define that first, is really basically anything stock market based Wall Street, 401ks uh, the things if 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 you've heard it a million times from the gurus and your HR director and all of those those types of that crowd, then that's traditional, okay And alternative yep. is going to be everything else. And I say everything else because it can be a, it can be a different thing to, to really anyone, but the point is that you're, you're basically breaking away from what uh, what you've always been told is the only way to go. And so you're going to invest in, and we'll get into to a, a more kind of broad uh, examples, but real estate is probably the most common one that we run into, or businesses, right? People, If you own your own business or you invest in other people's businesses, those are pretty common. But notes and funds and all kinds of different things out there, that that you can invest in and build wealth with that's what fits into this alternative category
1: yeah and we always talk about this it's alternative which is ironic being that it's been going along like it's been the core of what people have invested in for thousands of years right so but somehow along the line the media got a hold of it and created a different way which we would call the traditional planning method right yep. okay and here's the other thing that we would say the traditional planning method is broken it's outdated it's ineffective it's basically a disaster mm-hmm. and the same way that we have proof suggesting that that alternative asset investing is a more is is a more impactful way to get to those you know get that generational wealth we're looking for we also at least uh, Anecdotally, we have a huge amount of evidence suggesting that people who are trying to do it exclusively, and maybe that's an important word, exclusively mm-hmm. in that traditional the traditional way, are having a much more difficult time getting there. And the reason, you know, some of the reasons we know that is because, well, we know it because we meet with people, right? Yeah. but when we when we see the media out there, there's all sorts of, you know, messy statistics that suggest that, traditional planning is broken. People aren't able to retire. They're, uh, you know, we have way too many people who are getting to that stage of life and still having to figure out ways to make money to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the reason that that's happening oftentimes is because they're following those methodologies or at least trying to. You know, one of the things that I think about, Rod, is that the traditional planning method is very unforgiving. In other words... There's not a room. There's not a lot, a lot of room to make up ground. So let's just say theoretically, I'm a person that's been working um, in my my W two job for my entire life, and I'm really good at you know I'm I'm really good at saving. But I go through a traumatic accident, I breaks break a bone or something, and suddenly I'm having to dip into my my savings, and maybe I can't put money into my 401k anymore. And what happens is is like. It's going well, or at least we believe it's going well, mm-hmm. up until an unfortunate event. So, and most oftentimes, or I should say, at least oftentimes, those events aren't um, aren't things that we can control. They're out of our control, yeah. right? It could be the market taking yep. a, a massive drop the year before we're ready to retire. I'm that 67 year old who has had a really great career. I've got all my money in my 401k and and uh, you know, various brokerage accounts and suddenly we see the 2008 and and now all of a sudden I've gone from retiring to feeling like I have to work for another five years just right. to live a comfortable... So the point is, is that there's a whole bunch of things that are that are making alternative investing really difficult for people. And like I said, it's just really unforgiving. And so the question then is, what can we do instead? And we're suggesting that far and away, the better way to do that is the alternative space. And I would suggest that it is a lot more forgiving because there's a lot more opportunity to do things that are, you know, again, you can't do like creating cash flow, right? We mm-hmm. often talk about cash flow methodology versus accumulation methodology. Those are, those are like two hugely different um, styles of getting to a place of financial freedom. And of course we, you know, we anyway, I got into this with Blake last week, so maybe I won't hit on that anymore, but that's just kind of a little bit of my soliloquy about the problems with traditional planning.
2: Yeah. And and maybe I can hit a little bit more on that, uh, that piece because um, I've heard it described as, do you have a pond or do you have a river? Right. In other words, you have maybe your, your cabin up in the woods and you need a source of water and in order to survive and and so, do you have the pond out back where if you, as you're dipping into it, if you hit a drought, you're in trouble because it, you, the rain isn't coming to continually fill the pond, or do you live near a river where you have this continual flow of water and it doesn't care if there's a drought because, because they're, the, the source, there, there may be some sources that, that dry up, but you have multiple sources that are continuing to flow down that river. And so, in retirement, uh, if, if you have that cash river. flow, I'm it, yeah, if you I'm have that it. cash flow, and again, you, ha- you still have to be smart about it, right? It's not like it's not like you can say, "Well, I love you know X Y Z type of investments, so I'm just going to put everything I have into that." Well, hard times can can hit, and so if if you have everything in one basket, again, that's not a great way to go. So you have to be diversified still. You have to have multiple streams of income. Uh, but if you'll do that and kind of overbuild a bit to, to shore up when when you know issues do happen in one sector, um, then like you said, it's a much more sure way to to live out your retirement without worrying about all the problems. You know, completely cutting off your your flow to the pond um, and. Well, uh-
1: the other thing that like really stands out to me when we talk about accumulation versus cash flow methodologies or pond versus river rod yeah. is that the I can't get over the pond versus the river thing. I don't know how we've been we've been hanging out for this long and I've never heard you talk about the pond and the river. Yeah, it just came uh,
2: to me in a moment from something I saw. Uh,
1: <laughs> okay, well, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Not only in the cash flow methodology, the river methodology, rod, are we getting continual cash flow, but here's the real beauty. and this is again, so different from our pond. Our river continues to grow in value, yeah. even as we're using it all the time, right? If I've got my real estate, I can pr- pull cash flow off it, it can create my fi- my financial um, safety, my safety net. But again, if I'm if I'm taking from the pond, I'm always worried about the pond drying up. Yep. If I'm taking from the river, I'm never worried about it. And if I've got a really good river, okay, maybe the river methodology doesn't work or uh, <laughs> analogy doesn't work as well in the growth side of it. But if I've got a nice piece of real estate or I've got a portfolio of real estate or other types of assets, I can pull it all the while my underlying assets are mm-hmm. growing. So I'm not concerned about, or I'm not nearly as concerned about the possibility of actually running out of money, which of course is the, like the big thing that people are trying to, to plan for, right? Right. The ability to live a comfortable life and not have to worry about money. That's kind of the, the American dream. Mm -hmm. And so many people are falling short of that because they're busy trying to do this. And again, something comes up, something, it could be, it could be a medical emergency. Like I know I, I went down this road already, but I just think about my own life, Rod. So I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was in, when I had first started in the financial service industry, I, uh, when I was on the traditional side, I was working mm-hmm. hard and I was making okay money. Um, and now my my situation is a little different, but I think the I think the principle will highlight what I'm trying to what I'm trying to emphasize here, and that is, so okay. So going back to this, I'm working hard. I'm doing well. And then I come into a situation where I, I go, I take my little brother to the, the trampoline warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's called jump on it. Oh, jump on, I hate jump on it. I take my little brother to jump on it. I ended up shattering my ankle, right? And, and it, it was terrible timing. I had just chosen to lend my mother-in-law money. And, and so like I had taken some of my savings feeling like I'm doing really well, mm-hmm. no issues there. I give her some money, let her borrow, borrow some money, which again, we talk about borrowing money when it comes to family and friends, just plan on giving it to them. But anyway, I let her borrow the money and then I break my leg. And that put me back like a lot yeah. because suddenly I had to let to for a few months, I was basically having to live off of credit cards and things like that. Right. Yeah. So anyway, my point is just to say the traditional planning methodology is broken. It's unforgiving and it's, ineffective and that's why people are still using the incredibly outdated and ineffective 4% rule that I feel like I bring up like once a month (laughs) and the only reason I do Rod is because it's still out there being used like I hear it like I actually hear it and it's funny because I feel like for like a decade we've been talking about how the 4% rule doesn't work yeah and they've been like dropping dropping it down from four to like 3.8. 3.8. And that goes to like 3.2. and I've seen like 2.8. Yeah, And I'm thinking like, how's anybody going to retire off a 2.8% income multiple, right? I've got to have like 10 million bucks to have a $280,000 income. Like this is insane.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so. I, I have one other thought though, because as bad as, as a situation is that, that you described, like the the medical type of stuff or, or whatever, like, you're W-2 and you lose your job and you can't find another one for a year or whatever. Like as bad as those are, we've seen what I would say is, is even worse is that when we've seen people, when they get there, they have the nest egg, they've worked hard. They can live off of that nest egg, but it's the fear of those problems coming up that they don't. They live way below what they could because they're just so afraid of, of depleting the, the fund. They don't know what's going to happen, and it's that fear of what could happen. Any of the any yeah. of the above, right? The medical, whatever, right? The, the kids needing help, all these different things that that just hound them, and and it creates this fear of actually using what they what they built up. And so, the four percent rule or the two point eight percent turns into less because they don't dare even take that much.
1: Okay, Rod, we say it all the time, but the 4% rule just means the percentage of money that I take off of my investment. So if I've got a million dollars in my 401k and I take 4%, that gives me a $40,000 income. They adjust it for inflation and run it against a bunch of, um, what's the word? Uh, Historical. Yeah, historical simulations to see what the probability of me having money at the end of my life is, right? And so... Somehow, at some point in time, they came up with a, the 4% rule, which basically said that this was like a pretty high probability of success. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It wasn't 100%, obviously. No. I mean, if it's 80%, then, you know, you only have a 20% chance of running out of money, which just isn't bad. <laughs> uh, okay, so... So, OK, so that's the those are some of the limitations that are happening inside the traditional space. I think we've beat that pretty well. Let's let's kind of change gears and let's talk about what more about what alternative investing is. And maybe specifically we'll define some of the assets that make up alternative investments uh, and kind of focus on why we believe that it creates a more powerful Uh, methodology to get there and maybe Mm -hmm. the biggest thing is is that it goes back into our core philosophy right the invest with benefits philosophy goes hand in hand with alternative asset investing because we almost naturally like back our way into leverage velocity cash flow and the other the other core benefits just by going into that space they're Mm -hmm. like baked into it yep. right so it makes that makes it okay So let's talk about what some of those are, Rod. We're just gonna go through our list. We've got real estate. We talk about real estate all the time. We have lots of different types of real estate. um, Mm -hmm. And it is for sure the most common um, asset that we see people investing in. Again, because you can do it in so many different shapes and sizes, um, but residential, commercial, REITs, we see a lot of people who invest in syndications and multifamily. So uh, short, we just had Bill on to talk about short-term rentals. Like yep. there, there's you know dozens of ways to effectively invest in real estate. Private equity is a big one that we see, and this could be real estate to be mm-hmm, clear, mm-hmm. but generally, it's just that you know coming from a private person that's away from, uh, again, like your your stocks that are on the exchanges. Uh, precious metals that's a fun one rod can i just tell you i bought i bought a uh, hundred i bought a hundred thousand dollars of gold i think it was like a year year and a half ago mm-hmm. remember we had we had lynette from itm trading on yep, and uh she inspired me to buy my gold and it sits comfortably in my safe in my house doing nothing but can i just tell you it's nice to have on hand um except for that it's not very liquid. So that's maybe the bad thing. Yeah. Uh, cryptocurrency is another one. That's, that's one that obviously has a ton of upside. Everyone knows cryptocurrency, collectibles, art, antiques, cars, other collectibles. Watches, we hear about all
2: kinds of stuff, right?
1: Watches, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've seen We've seen people do all sorts of wild stuff. I have never gotten into the collectibles space, but Rod, we may actually have a sports memorabilia collectibles expert Yes, uh, sir. Hosting one of our next VIP webinars. Okay. Um, uh, peer-to-peer lending. This is just investing in loans to individuals, businesses through peer-to-peer lending platforms, hedge funds. We've talked about hedge funds on the podcast, farmland and agriculture. And that's can I just tell you the farmland? This I, I've I've met some pretty dang wealthy farmers in my yeah. day. Right. You go out to the, the farmlands in Idaho, those guys collecting some serious land. And like instead of they still instead of sharing uh like passing money back and forth, they like they like pass fertilizer back and forth uh-huh. at the farmland. <laughs> I love it okay uh, startups rod startups are a fun way to do it. sustainable yeah. investments Those are we did a we did one on uh, sustainable investing environment of social I'm trying to remember the the i can't remember the name of of like the specific investment style, but anyway, think you can do things in the social impact space are there any things that we that I didn't put on the list that I should have. That at least give us a pretty good grouping.
2: It, it does give us a good grouping, and and maybe I'll I'll ent- mention one. It's it's not its own category, but it's like a a form that can fit against all of these. And you often hear people talk about funds, and basically what that means is like if it's a real estate fund or something, then instead of buying into an individual property, uh, it the fund has bought into a bunch of them, and now I'm buying into the group of, of properties. And, and, but that can be true of, of any of these. Like you see it with collectibles, obviously that's, that's kind of the, what's happening when you talk about private equity or, or things like that. But, yep. um, but there are a lot of yeah. ways you can do that. like, like even um, TribeVest is a yep. way that you can group with other people to go out and do different things. So uh, anyway, I just throw that out there. because There's a lot a of innovation
1: common. Around, yeah, and the other thing I, I'll just say here is there has been a lot of innovation in the, in the alternative space. One of the things that has kept people away from it historically is that you kind of needed to be a, uh, 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 what's the word, Rod? Accredited. Uh, accredited, thank you. You kind of need to be accredited, which, again, just means you have a certain level of existing financial security. I don't want to say wealth because this, it's not like there's a, a crazy high line Um, but you needed to be accredited. And one of the beauties of the world that we live in today is there's been enough innovation that even if you're not there, you can still get started. There's a lot of these platforms that don't have the same kind of um, stipulations of being accredited or having really high minimums. Yeah. I'm glad you said
2: that because there, there is that stigma out there that that's the only way, like you can't really get very far if you aren't there yet. And man, I'm here to tell you, there are, a lot of ways you can get involved and get started building towards that point where you become accredited, but but don't give up on on the the dream or the the vision just because you're not already accredited.
1: Good thought. Okay, so here's one of the best one of we talk about our six core benefits, Rod. We've got leverage, velocity, cash flow, tax optimization, asset protection, and estate maximization. I talked about how alternative assets naturally flow into or flow back and forth with those core benefits. Mm-hmm. What I wanna do is just take a second, not a long time, but take a second and hit on kind of how that works inside of each of these. So okay. leverage is the first one. Leverage, the easiest the easiest analogy is, is real estate because that's typically how we invest in real estate, right? Yeah. Like, And one of the benefits of one of the huge benefits, now I'll say this. I, I always say this, leverage is the most powerful wealth building principle that exists because it allows us to do more with our money in a way that like we couldn't any other way. So, so as an example, we always use it. If I've got a hundred grand I want to put down, I could buy a hundred thousand dollar piece of property and get some income off of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I could put down a hundred thousand, buy, buy a $400,000 property as an example or 500,000 and now suddenly, I have the ability to create value or earn a return on the full five hundred thousand, even though I've only put in a hundred thousand. Yep. That's leverage, right? And again, the ability to do that is unique in that it also creates the situation where the actual return, the the return on the actual asset, doesn't have to be sky high, right? I mm-hmm. can get a I can get a six percent return on my real estate but I could get it, but I, my actual return because of the money I put in well, could be significantly higher than that. Right. So again, leverage ends up just being a really powerful way to invest. And, and the other thing is, one of the things I've noticed is even in like these crowdfunding platforms and stuff, when they have the opportunity to utilize leverage, oftentimes they will. We talk okay. about syndication investing, they're still utilizing leverage, even in a group situation. So, again, it's it's prevalent enough that it's easy to find. The, the key, of course, is to do it. We call we like to say go out and utilize conservative leverage, yeah. right? Certainly want to be safe and smart about how we're using leverage. We want to make sure that we carry cash reserves so that if something doesn't go the way we want to, we have plenty of um, kind of cushion on the back end. But, again... The focus here, leverage ends up growing and ends up giving us the ability to grow assets in a way that we couldn't otherwise.
2: Absolutely, and I would say uh, maybe the the second most common way we see it is like in a business, and uh, you know you you're expanding or you're or you're starting up and using debt is a very common way to to magnify or, or amplify your ability to to grow it. And again, do it conservatively, be smart with it. But if you'll do that, then you can do, do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do or, or as fast.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, you just think about, let's say that I build out, like, you know, I, I build my dental practice and I've got a really strong, I've got really strong margins. I've got my systems and procedures down. Well, I, I still may need quite a bit of money to just go out and buy another practice. Well, what mm-hmm. if I, if I know that I've got the system, the processes in place, I can go leverage those, not just the money, but the systems and processes do that again. And now suddenly I'm creating a return. That's like crazy. So it's hard because in businesses, we can't even like cr- put a return on it. Right. Yeah. Cause oftentimes the return could be a thousand percent or something. Mm-hmm. If I'm able to go and, well, anyway, when you create a business that that creates cash flow, um, it really makes a difference. Okay, Rod, why don't you take a minute and talk about? We're going to move to velocity. Talk about velocity and how it fits in with alternative assets.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So velocity is is the speed at which we turn over our money and have it back in our hands, ready yeah. and available to go out and invest in something else. And every time I describe it, it almost feels like it, it's like, well, duh, Rod. Like. High return, get the money, go invest in something else. Um, and so, but sometimes the the concept is uh seems simple, but in practice, making putting the systems, having processes in place to make sure that you're turning that around as quickly as possible isn't quite as obvious. And I'll say this in the alternative investing space, kind of to your point earlier, we can manage the velocity on returns is a lot a lot differently and not better than you would in the traditional space. In traditional space, whatever, you, you have a stock or you have a, a mutual fund, it appreciates in value, is basically just reinvested in the same place and, and it just, it continues to grow. So it's, there's no thought process behind it. But when you're in the alternative space, whether you're a business owner, you're investing in any of these different asset classes we talked about earlier, and you have this cash flow coming back to you how you manage that cash flow matters tr- tremendously. And, and so we have things like the investment optimizer to improve that. and, and it again, it's just being, being thoughtful, being um, mindful of what am I doing with the cash while it's flowing and I'm between deals in order to get it back out as quickly as possible, but also to have it be working for me in the meantime. <clears throat>
1: Velocity clicked in for me, Rod, when I think about it this way, and I don't know why this works for me, but it just does. So I picture the idea of putting money into, put money into a syndication. I always hear people say like, Velocity is how is the the speed that it takes to get your money back, right? Mm-hmm. You get your money back. And, and I thought about, I used to think about that and I'd be like, well, of course you want to get your, like that doesn't make any sense, right? So here's when it like clicked in for me. When I started to think, You want to get your money back, but still own the underlying asset. And when I think about it that way, it really kind of changed my perspective. So if Mm -hmm. I'm investing in a real estate syndication and I put $500,000 in there, I want to get my $500,000 back, but I want to continue to have the $500,000 of equity growing in the actual syndicate, right? So once I kind of got that in my head, it stuck, and it just anyway. The point is, is get your money back, go out and reinvest it. Like you said, you can if you do it thoughtfully. Um, generally speaking, you'll have better success. Okay, Rod, cash flow. We've got to have consistent cash flow. Um, maybe hit on some of the reasons cash flow is important and how it connects to. Uh, Actually, Rod, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. It's going to take me 30 <laughs> seconds. Here's the bottom line. Most of the the cash flowing assets are alternative assets. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of traditional stuff and like cash flow in the sense that you can bring money out of them. Well, that's what cash flow means, right? Yeah. It's the money that I get out of something. But the, the reality is, is that most traditional assets aren't built to create cash flow. They're built for accumulation and then you're kind of trying to figure out how the, how to bring the cash flow out of it. Yeah, they have. The alternative a, side on yeah. the other hand, not the case. What were you gonna
2: say? Well, yeah. So on the traditional side, they have a category that they call income, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And they do.
2: and so it's it's like your dividend producing uh, stocks and things like that, but it's it's different, right? It's just fundamentally different mindset, even though that's kind of what they're what they're saying.
1: Yeah, and you're still not able to use leverage. Or I say not able. Like there are um, situations where you can like trade on margin, mm-hmm. uh, but again, that's that's atypical. Most people aren't doing that. Yeah. Okay. Um, long and short of it is though, alternative assets are a really great way to create consistent cash flow. River. A river. How <laughs> to create the river. <laughs> Hey, Rod, I'm trying to decide, should we hit on each one of these separately or just kind of generally take uh, from the last three?
2: Well, maybe it's just it's fair to say in alternative assets, you can do different. You have different opportunities uh, with these three. So with tax, tax optimization, uh, I mean, as a business owner, you can just do different things than you could if you if you were not. Right. And, and again, in the traditional space, what does that look like? Well, it usually looks like participating in a 401k, which is just deferring tax. It's just delaying paying the tax. And so could there be some optimization there? Maybe it depends on how much income you're making later versus how much you're making today and a lot of wh- whether tax uh, rates go up in the future or, or, or whatever. Like There are a lot of different things out there that could end up putting you in a place where you where you optimize the tax, but you don't know. A lot of that's out of your control. Whereas- In the alternative space, the way you invest in real estate, the way that you can uh, have your expenses right against your against your income in a business just opens up all kinds of different opportunities that you don't have in the traditional space.
1: So maybe the easiest way to think about it is I buy a piece of real estate and automatically I could use the I can depreciate my asset. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As an example, I can use cost segregation analyses. Like there's different ways that I, that are like, that have tax optimization kind of built into what they are. Now you do have to go in with eyes open and understand how to do those things. Yep. But to the extent that you do a little due diligence on the front end, it's pretty easy to create some like real and significant tax benefits when I'm investing in most of the things that are classified on the alternative side, which yep. again, juxtapose that against the traditional side, and there's not nearly as much of that. Yeah. OK, Rod. Uh, so tax optimization, same thing with asset protection. Um, there's a there's a. well, I think on this one, Rod, the focal point is more about doing it, regardless of where your assets are, True. right? It doesn't matter which situation. The, there are some benefits that you can get in alternative assets from an asset protection standpoint, uh, but in general, this takes a little bit more planning. Um, we have to be a little bit more forward thinking. Maybe we've got to go to an attorney and have some trusts and that you know sure. LLCs built out, that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, is that it's a critical aspect of alternative investing, uh, making sure that as we put, as we're out there investing, we're putting the proper protections in place so that when potential situations come up, we're not uh, left in a difficult situation. Okay, estate maximization is the final one, Rod. Hit on that and then we'll close this thing up.
2: First I would say all, all the things you just said about asset protection are true for estate maximization because again, you put trust in place, you do these things to um, make the most of assets as they're transferring. However, let me ask you this, what are the two most effective assets to pass on to the next generation? And in which category do they fall, traditional or alternative?
1: This is an interesting question because uh, real estate certainly fits in the alternative side. Life insurance is somewhat of a hybrid, Mm -hmm. I would say. Although the way that we talk about it, teach it and use it, it certainly fits more into a tool used to enhance and you know, increase the the returns on I say that, but we use it for a lot of the traditional stuff too. So it's yeah. kind of a hybrid rod, but um, but both of those to your point are so powerful when it comes to passing money on to the next generation. If you're not using them, you're missing out.
2: Yeah. Or being and, and again being very mindful and and intentional in the way that you set them up. Because for example with real estate, depending on how you own it, when it transfers uh, the the efficiency we're talking about here is the step up in basis. When I pass away and I'm passing real estate to my children to my heirs, the the basis we get a step up in basis, which just means that now it's taxed based on the value of when I died, not when I originally bought it. Whether it was a year ago or a hundred years, well, I guess I who knows, a hundred nice. years. But.
1: Okay, so I'll give you an example. My grandpa passed away. I think he bought his uh, he probably bought his house for like. 60 years ago, sold it for, you know, I I don't know, maybe $800,000 or something like that. Um, and the tax basis was, well, I was, the, the basis was what he sold it for. So the tax, um, repercussion was basically zero. Yeah. So that was nice. I got a little money from my grandpa and didn't have to pay any taxes. Thanks, Gramps, for owning real estate. That's all I'm saying. Perfect. Okay, uh, let's finish this thing off. So I think in conclusion, the emphasis here is just to focus on alternative investing as a powerful way to, to create wealth. And specifically when we're putting it up against the traditional methodologies that we've seen create so many problems and leave a lot of people in difficult situations, we really believe that the key is to, you like to say this Rod, you know, take your destiny in your own hands, Yes, right? Yes. Yeah. We're going to be really cheesy. We're going to take our destiny (laughs) in our own hands. We're going to get in the alternative space. We're going to be, we're going to be thoughtful and intentional in the way that we invest. And again, our experience suggests that successful people who do that get way further ahead than the people who don't. Agreed. Okay. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the money insights podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.